April Fools was just this last week, and as Tim assigned Matthew and I to speak on this subject, we thought it'd be appropriate for this Sunday, being the first Sunday in April. I've heard of a lot of uh, April Fools jokes. Um, one guy called me last year, and, and one of our board members called me and said, "Hey, my company just moved us to Alaska. We're leaving in three weeks." And I thought, okay. And I forgot that it was April Fools, and he was going on and on and on about this, and he got me. Well, somebody this this year, a friend of mine that was a missionary in Thailand with us with Southern Baptist, he posted something on his Facebook and said that he was asked by the Southern Baptist to become the head of the IMB missions, International Mission Board for the Southern Baptist, and he had 177 comments back on this, congratulating him and all this stuff. And, and after a while, he said, "April Fools," because I know this guy. And I didn't think that they would want him to be the chairman, um, but it was a, it was a lot of fun. He's a pastor out in Oklahoma now, and I thought of one that I was gonna I was gonna bring a uh, resignation form in and give it to to Tim, saying that while I was on vacation in Vegas, that the the, the church out there was looking for a campus pastor and they asked me to come out, and so I was gonna submit this resignation and I was sharing this with Helen and she said, um, "What if he accepts it?" <laughs> I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. But uh, we all have, uh, like, we always enjoy a good April Fool's, but one lady I heard on the news the other day, she called her daughter's college and said there was a shooter on campus. And so they locked down the campus and searched this place, and, and they ended up arresting her. And, and they found out that this wasn't the first time she's done something stupid like that. All right, so as we talk about fools today, um, it, it's gonna. I, I hope you not only uh, learn a lot from this, but it's a challenge to your heart as we look through God's word about being a fool. As I looked up the definition of the word fool, there's three different meanings of that word. One is to be simple-minded. Another is to uh, be involved in stupid activities. And the third one is one who does not fear the Lord or fear God. Now, in your bulletin, you'll see that you have on the on the front front cover you've got 25 characteristics of a fool. And we're not going to cover all 25 of those. We're just going to cover five of those, and to give you an idea of what the Word of God says about that. So, as we look at those, I want you to mull those over in your own time. Think about them. So, let's start with the very first one: is that a fool despises wisdom and understanding. And that's in verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tim gave us the illustration that the pro- a lot of the Proverbs are like a coin. You flip you, you, on two sides, they're the opposites. And that's no exception of this verse here. That the fear of the Lord and fools are the two opposite sides of that coin. And the word fear here uh, was covered a while back, that reverential submission. It's not a shaking in your boots kind of fear of the Lord, but it's a reverential submission and awe to, the, to God. And it's mentioned 40 times of its 91 times in the Bible. It's mentioned 40 times in the book of Proverbs. And it's a, it's a feminine noun, whatever the Greek terms like that, that means knowledge, knowing, learning, discernment, insight, and notion. 
And in the book of Proverbs, it, it's just over and over and over that God talks about that. So as you look on the opposite side of the coin, the opposite of that, somebody who is unknowledgeable and doesn't learn and he's lacks discernment and insight and he, he comes up with his own notions, that's a fool. And I have a, I had a friend, I've told you about my friend Rocco many times. And uh, when I first met him, he claimed to be the third smartest guy in the world. And I asked him the other, I asked him a couple weeks ago, I says, Rocco, you've told me that many times. I said, who's the two smarter ones than you? And he says, well, I don't know. And, uh, but, but he would always say that and he would say, knowledge is everything. If you have knowledge, you can do anything. And I kept telling him, I said, Rocco, that's not true. Knowledge is good, but it also puffs you up. But it's the wisdom to disseminate that knowledge that is really key. You have to have the wisdom. You can have all the smarts in the world, but I, I like, uh, I like my computer, but when I get around guys who know computers inside and out, they're starting with all these initials and words and stuff that's just way over my head. I need somebody that understands computers, but also speaks English <laughs> when I'm, when I'm trying to learn. And so knowledge is good for your job and everything, but if you don't know, have the wisdom to, to disseminate that knowledge to other people, then it's, it's only good for yourself. And, and so that's what he's saying about, about fools. They despise this, this understanding and knowledge in the sense that, that they're understanding who God is. They despise all that. The second thing, we're going to hit these really quick. The second thing is a fool, he hates knowledge. He hates knowledge. In Proverbs one twenty two says, How long, O simple one, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. Now you'll see there's three different uh, terms here that he uses. The, the, the simple or the naive person, the scoffer or a defiant or cynical person is a fool. And then fools who are morally insensitive people, the meaning of this here. So let's look at those three real quick. Um, Simple people are naive. I like to think of these kind of people as, as they, they, they've lived a sheltered life and, and, or they've been, um, oblivious to a lot of things and they get out in the world and they don't, they don't understand. I had a, a friend in, in the village where I lived in Thailand. He had never been to the big city. The biggest city he had ever seen is our little town that has one red light in it and the tallest building has about three stories. Well, I had to go to Bangkok for some meetings, and, and I, I wanted somebody to go with me, so I asked Little Mott to go with me. And we, as we were down there, I took him to one of the malls. It's like a seven, eight-story mall. And, and, I, and I, we were walking around, and I said, see that over there? It was an escalator. And he, and he looked at that, and the people were going up without even stepping. It was amazing. And he said, how much do you have to pay for that? He had no idea. He was so naive to the, to the big city life that he had no idea of, of any of the activities and things that go on there. And, and we're like that and sometimes. I went to Las Vegas a couple weeks ago and we wanted to go to see a show. So we, you have to go into the casinos and I walked around there. I had no idea what was going on. Those slot machines, they used to see pictures where it's thing, you just put a quarter in, you pull the arm. It's not like that anymore. Or these tables where you throw the dice and all that. I'm very naive concerned about gambling and things. I wouldn't know how to do it. Even if I tried to buy a lottery ticket, I wouldn't know. Are you supposed to scratch all the things off or just a few? 
If you scratch more than three, are you going to be, are you going to get the money? I have no idea. I've never done it. And so those are simple, naive people. And, and that's what he's talking about here. The second one are scoffers. Those who have uh, swallowed the, the philosophy and skepticism of the world. And they can't accept the thought of God and wisdom from his word. Now I have a, I have a brother-in-law who is, is dying of cancer. You guys have been praying for him. I really appreciate that. But Rich is, is, fits in this category. He is very intellectual. And his God is evolution. He goes to the Museum of Natural History and just walks through the, the section on evolution. And just, he's just learning and, and loving all this stuff. And, and he worships nature. And we asked him one time, and Helen asked him, he says, you know, what's going to happen when you die? And he says, well, I'll just be assimilated right back into, into the ground. And she said, that gives you hope? That gives you security in your life? And, um, and, and, he, and he, when we try to talk about, about God, he just says, nah, I really don't want to hear about that. He scoffs at it. Because he said one time, he said, if I were God, I could have done a better job than he did. I thought, whoa. Now that's, that's serious business. So pray for Rich that, that God will just work in his heart and, and, um, and, and open his eyes to understand the truth. And the last one is fools. And these are those, in this definition, in this word here, in this verse, these are fools who know what's right, but they don't, they don't do it. So in other words, if somebody is, is a heroin addict, they know it's bad for them, right? But yet they do it. Why? Because they're addicted. It makes them feel good. They're dependent on it. All different reasons why they're, they're doing it, even though they know it's wrong. And this is what we are like in our lives. He says those, those fools, they hate knowledge because they know what's right and wrong, but yet they choose not to follow it. So that's what he's talking about, that fools hate, hate knowledge. They don't want to be a part of that. Third thing is that fools reject his father's wisdom. In 15.5 in Proverbs, it says, A fool despises his father's instructions, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. This word instruction, it means, uh, it can mean chastisement, uh, a checkup on them, and correction, discipline, doctrine, and rebuke. And I'm, I'm old. I've been around the block a few times, and so when I, when I say what I'm about to say, it's out of experience and knowledge. And that is the fact that teens and young people, if you're shunning your parents' instruction and knowledge, you're a fool. That's what the Bible says. You despise your father, your parents' instruction. You're a fool. If I were, if there were a group of young people in this room, that's what I would tell them. I said, you know what? Your parents, I say there are exceptions, but for the most part, parents have their kids' best interest in mind. Am I right? We do. So as we try to instruct our kids, when they rebel against that, this is what the Bible calls them, our fools. At, on, on my birthday and on Father's Day, my kids get a little sappy and, and send nice things about their dad and all that stuff. You've probably been there. If you've got kids older, you know what it's like. But the thing that stands out to me when my kids write, 
they'll write, thanks, Dad, for the, the training and the discipline you gave us as kids. Because now they have kids, and they look back and saw the wisdom in that, and, and that, that they, they obeyed it. They came through childhood. They weren't perfect. Are my kids? No. A long way from it. But yet they understand what the discipline and the instruction was all about. So now they have the wisdom that they can now instruct their own children. Some of you, though, grew up without parents who really loved and, and thought of your best interest. I know, I know people who were growing up with alcoholic parents, and drug addicts, and parents were in prison, things like that. They didn't have that role model that a lot of you and I have had. So how does this work with them? You know, you could become bitter and angry and say, you know what, God, you put me in this situation. I, I have nothing. What am I going to do? Well, we can apply this. We have a church full of people who love God and who love each other. So you can plug in here at Cornerstone and, and, and find that, that parental instruction that we lack, that we've not had as a kid growing up. And you're, we're going to learn more about this as we go forward. Uh, we're working on stuff on the board level and, and things about how we can minister to people who, in our church that, that lack a lot of spiritual understanding and knowledge. How can we do that? How can we disciple them? So that's coming down the pipe in a while. The fourth thing is the, uh, the fool provokes others to strife and anger by his words. In Proverbs 18, verse 6, it says, The fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. That is, that is so appropriate because it you know, seems pretty simple and basic, that verse, if you just take it like that. And, and I've even said things that I should have been beaten for. But, but through God's grace, I wasn't. And, uh, but we need to look at the verses around that. It's not just as simple as that. So let's start in verse 5. It'll be up on the screen here. It says, It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. The fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. As I was doing a little reading on this, these verses have to do more with uh, legal legalese and, and a perspective of justice. Because if you have uh, lawyers and judges who are catering to the wicked because they get more out of it, they, get, they, can, uh, they, they see money gain out of that, and the ones who are, are the just are put aside. That's what he's talking about, being a fool. So they get people in here to say things that are slanderous, things that are not true, and things that cause this person to look bad in, in the eyes of the judge. And that's what he's talking about. Their mouth, they're inviting a beating because they're not saying the truth. They're, they're lying. Remember, uh, in construction... I've learned this by, by uh, because I made so many mistakes. But you're supposed to measure twice and then what? Cut once. And uh, I've learned the hard way that I better do that. 
Because it was at 76 or 67. Oh, man, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, 67. Oh, man, it was 76. Then it's too short. I, I, I can't find my board stretcher. But, but I was um, thinking that, that this is so true in our spiritual lives, too. We need to think twice and speak once. Think twice, act once. And that will really alleviate this uh, invited beatings that, that it talks about having. The last one I want to mention is that a fool, he trusts in his own heart. In Proverbs 28, 26, it says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Now, how many times have you heard this phrase? Well, I think that, blah, 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 it goes on and on. You ever heard that phrase? I've heard that so many times. And, and, it, and it doesn't make me laugh, especially when we're talking about spiritual things. When um, the Flight 370 out of Malaysia came up missing a couple weeks ago, all these conspiracy theories were coming around. My conspiracy theory is, is that they stole the plane, killed all the people in the plane, and now it's in the Middle East someplace being painted and reestablished with different things so that they, a country that couldn't afford to buy a new plane, now has a new plane. That's my conspiracy theory. But who knows where that plane is? Nobody, nobody knows where it's at, so there's no... Not unless it happened overnight. I haven't heard the news today, but everybody comes up with these ideas, and and I, you know, it could be like a car thief takes a a car, he takes it into a chop shop, paints it, fixes it up so that it's not recognizable, and then sells it to somebody on the black market. That's what this plane is. Don't. It's not the gospel. You know, it's. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know where it's going, but that's my theory. But. Um, we have people in the church that say, man, I believe that God is, is loving and kind, that he would never send anybody to hell. Or I believe this about God, you know, that all this, you know, that's, when somebody starts believing and trusting in their own mind, what does that create? <coughs> heresies. It creates heresies. And, and, and then it creeps into uh, cults that people begin to think, Oh, yeah, I believe that God is like this and this and this. Well, let's get back to what it says here. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So we have these uh, 25 characteristics. And what I want to challenge you to do is take them home and look up the verses. And, and take note, you know, just write down what God is saying in each of those verses. And, and ask yourself, do I fit into any of these verses? It should do one of three things. It should make you discouraged that you're acting like that. Or it should encourage you that you're walking in wisdom and knowledge of God. Or somewhere in between. That there should be certain areas that you need to work on. So take that list and, and use it to your benefit. So let's change. What is the cause of being a fool in our lives? There's a few things I want to look at. And we remember the definition of being a fool is simple-minded, stupid activities, and someone who doesn't fear the Lord. Now, in Psalm 14, verses 1 to 4, I think sums up the whole thing in, in these four verses. It says, a fool 
says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. So there we have, have the two of them who doesn't fear the Lord and he does stupid things. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man and sees that they, there are, see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So there we talk about the simple minded people that understand, they lacking understanding. They are all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread do not call on the Lord. You, you read that verses and you see all three of those definitions in there. I like to use the KISS principle. Remember the KISS principle? Keep it simple, stupid, but we don't use that word in our house either. As Tim said last week, they, so I just said keep it simple. KISS, short S. There you go. So keep it simple. Um, and, and, and so if... What causes people to be fools? A lack of the fear of the Lord. So if, if fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then just the opposite is true of those who are fools. So let's look at Psalm 92, verses 1 to 7 here. It says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the lute and the harp and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands, I sing, your, I sing for joy. How great are, the, are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Here's where he changes. The stupid man or the foolish man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish... They are doomed to destruction forever. So, a fool is a person who looks out at the world and sees evil people prospering. That they're making all kinds of money. They see how easy, how quick it is to make a buck doing this or that. Stealing, selling drugs, um, whatever, whatever else. Your mind, you can leave, let your mind run on that. But he says that the wise, in verses 1 through 5, he said that someone who fears and respects the Lord will praise his name, declare his steadfast love and faithfulness all day and night. The Lord has made them glad. He's declaring uh, how that the works of the Lord is great and that God's thoughts are very deep. Those are for somebody who's wise and they're understanding, they're seeking after God. But on the other hand, the fools can't understand this. They look around and they see evildoers prospering, but they don't see the end result of that evil life. They don't see beyond that. They just see what was happening right now. They have no uh, thoughts of tomorrow. I was uh, When I was on vacation a couple weeks ago, we wanted to go see a show, and we found that we could get some free tickets if we sat in one of these timeshare demonstration things. So we've done this before, so we're not novices at this. And... Uh, and we've been able to say no last time too. So we go to this meeting and, and this guy that's taking us around, Omar, really a nice old guy that um, is just doing it because he's bored at home. So he takes people around on these things. But when we got up to the room where 
where the, the numbers are crunched and everything, this other guy comes in and, uh, and he said, you know what, how much do you spend when you go on vacation? And I said, well, let me think. This vacation, I'm spending a week in, vaca- in Vegas. I think a total price was about $500 for the two of us, including food, car, lodging, everything, 500 bucks. And he says, hmm, what about other vacations? I said, well, we do a family vacation and we stay there and uh, we stay in a house and we split it five ways. So we're, we're paying for our gas to get down there to Florida and a week stays about $300 and uh, it's probably about $700 total. And he says, yeah, but what about, wouldn't you like to take a nice vacation at a five-star resort? I said, no. And I said, not really. And I, we were a tough sell. And, uh, and, and I wish I would have thought about this when he was talking because he said, you could invest $14,000 in, in this one week of a timeshare and, and just think, you could go anywhere in the world and for another $280, you could stay at a five-star resort for $280. I said, that's nice, except we don't do that kind of stuff. Um, and so at the end, he was. I, I wanted to say to him, I forgot. I didn't think of this until after the fact. I said, "So you're telling me that in order for me to have fun, in order for me to really enjoy life, I've got to spend fourteen thousand dollars, and then another two hundred eighty dollars every time I want to spend a week at the place that I just own." And he would have been stumped. But he wouldn't have known what to say. But I, I'm not saying that timeshares are bad. You know, if you own a timeshare, don't feel convicted. If you're using it to glorify the Lord. More power to you. Uh, but it wasn't for Helen and I. And uh, and so we we said no to the guy. And, and he says, well, what if we lowered the price to 11000 What if we got it down to $8,000? I said, no, we, we don't want one. We don't come this way. We don't travel like that. We spend time with family and friends. And we don't want that kind of stuff. So he finally let us go and gave us our tickets and our $50 back and two buffet dinners. And it was really nice. <laughs> So we had, we had a good time. But that's, that's about seeing this very limited mindset to think about the pleasures of the moment instead of the long-term investment that I really don't want to spend all that money for some place I'll really never go. I'm not going to go to Vegas again. I went there because my sister-in-law was out there and she invited us. And it was cheap. So, um, so we went. All right, so those are the, that's what happens to a fool. That's what causes foolishness is short-sightedness and a lack of the fear of the Lord and, and all these things like that. So what is the cure? The last couple minutes that we have. Anybody know what time it is? Do I have time? It's five after. Oh, I got ten more minutes. Good. The cure for a fool. Uh, if the cause is a lack of fear of the Lord or a total disregard of his ways, then it's obvious what the cure is, right? But let's close in prayer. No, not going to do that. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to agree with it. But what does that look like in our daily lives, on on our daily basis? We know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and understanding and, and what God is. So how do we incorporate that into our lives on a daily basis? So the first thing is, uh, in Proverbs 1, 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. As we begin to have that reverential respect and awe for the Lord, then we will begin to understand all that that He is and, and His greatness 
and what he can do in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 19, this is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what he's praying. He's praying for these believers that they will grow in their understanding. He goes on and says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who think about it or who believe who believe, who have the faith and have the, the focus and, and, and trying to learn what God is. In other words, as we get to know Him, we will understand all the fullness of God and will grow in our awareness of the Spirit's leading in our life. And that's what He's trying to get across. The second thing that we learn from the fear of the Lord is that we develop a trust he prayed for that in this, these verses here. But we develop a trust in God and all that he has in store for us. The walk of faith. We begin to walk by faith. In Psalm 115, verses 11 and 13, it says, All who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and lowly. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Most of us have the verse two verses memorized. Ephesians or Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. A lot of us know that, but it goes on. See, it's even good there, too. Be not wise in your own eyes. Remember that we talked about the definition, somebody who is, is thinking, if I, they're thinking with their head instead of their, their heart and knowledge of, of, from the Word. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's amazing. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, just one page back. Verses 1 through 8. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ears attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright and is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of the justice and, and watching over the ways of his saints. And so as we study those verses, man, it just, if we could live our lives according to that, seeking it as, as gold and finding it as a treasure, that our, our lives will just get out of that foolish state and into wisdom. Third thing, the last thing I want to mention is that if we walk in the fear of the Lord, we will desire to be accountable and supported by others. That's what I mentioned earlier about those who were raised in a home where they didn't have parental guidance and, and instruction that was godly. So now, if, we're, if we want to fear, learn to fear the Lord, we want to learn to walk in wisdom, then we'll be 
looking to be supported by others around us. So in Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And then in chapter 15, it says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. So as we look at around us in this world, I'm sure as, as we were talking this morning, people came to your mind that said, well, that, that's how that guy acts. That's how this woman does. Well, what about ourselves? We see a lot of fools around us, but what about ourselves? Those that are simple-minded, they do stupid, foolish things, and those who do not fear have that reverential respect toward the Lord. The first two types I can understand. I went online to look at, uh, I was going to pull a video clip off of YouTube about, I just typed in stupid things people do. It is crazy. It is crazy what people do in the, in the name of fun. And it's like they're trying to create more of this kind of stuff, even more dangerous and more stupid. And, um, and so I, I didn't want to show any of that stuff. That, was, that one I showed was, was good enough. That, but those first two groups of people, I understand. They're just stupid, or they're, they're naive, or they, they, they just don't understand the things of, of God yet. But the third group, you know, I just hope none of you are in that group where you're despising God and, and, and you're finding yourself you know, um, disrespecting authority and, and all these things, as you'll learn as you read through those verses. But if you are, there is a cure. And if you find yourself in that group that you don't fear the Lord, then you should probably move out of there, like today. And, and we can do it by, number one, developing a fear or a proper respect for the Lord. And two, developing a trust in God and all He has in store for us. That's that walk of faith. And number three is by being accountable and supported by others. So as you mull through these things and think about it in their life groups or wherever you think about that, look up those verses. I want to challenge you because it will really hopefully encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Let's pray.